Hello and welcome to Living Stones, a podcast of conversations with the people of Red Mountain Community Church, highlighting the victories and struggles, the snapshots and stories of the people sitting right next to you on Sunday morning. I'm Peter Franson from Spirit Blade Productions and your fellow seat warmer at Red Mountain Community Church. My co-host today is Jake Ajeri, or we were just talking about this, Ajeri or Ajeri? Our high school ministry pastor, or Jake Black, as I used to call you in my head to remember your name. Oh, because of the Jack Black. Because you looked, you had shaggier hair when I first met you, yep. and then you, you really cut it short for a while, mm-hmm. and now you're growing it back out and you're getting a little bit of that Jake Black thing going back. Do you want me to let you into a secret of my life? Yes. How I operate and function? Yeah. I cut my hair twice a year. Oh. So I let it grow until it gets too long, and my wife says, honey, it's time. And then I shave it. So it's preferably, it's right around the time of summer camp too, because when we go to summer camp, you don't want to have to wake up and shower every day. Oh yeah, Nobody sure. showers at summer camp. Who Come wants on to now. do that? Yeah. So I just shave my head so I don't have to. Nice. You know the deal. Nice. You save a ton of money on like, you know, hair, like cutting things, hair cutting sessions. Uh, what do you call those? When you get your hair cut? Hair sessions. Hair sessions. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> save money. That's great. Yeah. <laughs> All right. So I, um, I asked this question of uh, Ryan Bruchette last month, and I feel like since you're in youth ministry too, our high school ministry pastor, I want to ask you the same thing, um, and that is about trends, because yep. in the nature of your ministry is that you have to kind of keep up and be aware of trends that are going mm-hmm. on. So, I mean, have you... Ha- how old are you? 28. Okay. Oh, this is a dumb question then. I was going to say, have you had that moment of feeling old yet as new trends come along? You're 28, so Peter, the answer is no. This man never feels old. <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah, so I got to tell you, man, I I am not really up to date with a ton of like the new trends going on. So, really? So if, a little bit of insight into student ministries. So both Matt and I uh, feel out of the loop with that stuff. And so we go really? to we go to culture school with Ryan and he teaches us all about these things. Interesting. And so we say, Ryan, what's happening? And so he teaches <laughs> us, he tells us about all the dances, and he tells us about all the memes that are going on right now. And I would pronounce it may-may, so I don't know how you, I don't know how you pronounce memes. Yeah, or... I don't know. It's meme, right? I mean, that's how I've been saying it for a while. Meme. Yes. Huh. But the you wouldn't know that just reading it, you know? Like, yeah. what if there's an unseen accent or hey, something ran- like okay, that? Hey, okay, random jarring topic yep, shift. Tell me. Okay. Um... <laughs> What was that like when, uh, like two weeks ago, you were having a nice dinner with some people, mm-hmm. and suddenly their crazed brother showed up and uh, just said, "Oh, you're okay," to his sister, and then left. Yep. So we were having <laughs> so we were having dinner with some friends who serve in high school ministry, and on accident she hit the SOS button. And so we're in the middle of dinner, and Peter just shows up at the restaurant, and all he says is, he takes a deep breath and he goes. You're okay. She says, yep. And then Peter walks out the door. And that was it. That was that was all that happened. And so there was just this fascinating mo- moment for us at dinner of, oops. I felt so bad. I was like, I didn't know what kind of conversation I was walking into. You know, like if you guys are having some really deep, in-depth, you know, like conversation about youth ministry or whatever. But uh, so I didn't, that's why I didn't stick around. I was like, okay, yep. I got to get out of here. But like... <laughs> 
uh, I didn't know what was going on. And I, I tried to call her and she wasn't answering her phone. Her husband wasn't answering her phone. And I just saw the, your, this contact has activated the emergency. You are the emergency contact, you know, and, yep. and stuff's going down and emergency service, services yep. have been notified and called to her location or something like that. Yep. And I was like, um, having freak out time. So actually, uh, Jessica Garcia's husband, Alan was with me at the time, yep. um, registered nurse. And so I was like, we were meeting and I was like, Hey, can you come with me? Stuff might be going down. You know? yeah. <laughs> uh, oh, that must've been so scary. It, it, it was, it was, but it was great to see you all eating together. <laughs> <laughs> Enjoying and a salad. No one was choking or anything crazy <laughs> yeah. happening. So that was, yeah, it, it ended a lot better than it began. Um, okay. So now I have a serious question for Tell you. Me. Would you rather always spit when you talk or always be spit on when spoken to? Oh, I'd rather spit when I talk. Really? Yeah, I don't want other people's spit mm. on my face. Yeah, well, sure. That seems obvious. Yeah, so, you know, I mean... But then, like, who's going to want to be around you? Because here's the thing is I'm a, I'm a low-grade germaphobe, and so I would much rather get my germs on other people than have their germs on me. Yeah. Mm. I'm with you. I'm with you. But I, I'm also heavily introverted. Mm -hmm. And so I just try to avoid people in general anyway. Yep. <laughs> so yep. I think I Hence might... Hence making podcasts. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Yeah, yeah, that's right. So I think I might be okay if like, I knew people were always going to spit on me. Well, I generally avoid people anyway, except for my family, and I can kind of deal with their spit if I must. But um, we're talking about all the time. Yeah. So any interaction you have with people... Yeah. You're going to get spit on. Well, we won't talk at meals. That's for sure. No. <laughs> yeah, we will no eat thanks. in silence. And I guess I'm going to have to wear some kind of a suit the rest of the time yeah. that I go out. Mm. All right. Well, earlier today, Jake and I sat down and had a talk with Ginny Hulock that was much more substantive than what Jake and I have exchanged here so far. Um, and she's a senior who has been at Red Mountain for a long time. She's experienced a lot in life. She's got a heart for prayer and service that... I really admire and has an interesting story to tell about how she came to belief in Christ, how she ended up at Red Mountain. Um, so let's not waste any time and just get to that conversation right now. Well, Ginny, thank you for coming out and uh, doing this with us. Um, have you ever, are you a podcast listener? Do you listen to podcasts? I mean, no. No? That didn't surprise. even know about it. And please don't thank me me. It's my pleasure and my honor to be here with you. Oh, yeah. I'm so glad. I'm so glad we were able to carve this time out. You were one of the first people that I thought of when we were kind of brainstorming, like people that we wanted to talk to. I was like, I would really like to hear from someone in your season of life. Um, and uh, so we're going to go and kind of look at the timeline of your life, of, of your of your faith, of some of the things that you've been through. And uh, one of the, just to give a little bit of context, and I did get permission in advance for those of you who are listening to share this information, but uh, but you're 90 years old. 90 in, in September, I turned 90. Okay, awesome. The ninth day of the ninth month, in case anybody wants to send a card next year. <laughs> <laughs> Which is amazing to me. Because I I wouldn't have guessed that I like there was like probably about like f maybe about fifteen years ago at some point I said to well my wife and I and Holly and I started like saying I think Ginny has become immortal 
Um, she doesn't seem to be aging anymore. <laughs> and so whatever you, I thought the secret was shaving your head because that's what Bruce Willis did and he seemed to stop aging after he shaved his head. And no, I'm Patrick not on Stewart. the same page with him, Peter. No, okay. Yes. <laughs> so, whatever secret sauce is that you're, uh, you're using, it's, uh, it's remarkable. His name is Jesus. <laughs> well, I, that's, I can only account for it that way. I mean, it's... Um, Such, to be so blessed, that's... All I can say, it's nothing that I do or have done. I've certainly wondered why God has kept me around here for so long. But I go with it. Yeah. He's, he's in charge, you know. Yeah. What, else, what else can you do? Um, so and you've certainly been a blessing to the rest of us. <gasps> oh, Jake, thank you for saying that. <laughs> we got um, from several people some, uh, some neat questions that are kind of peppered in here, also some questions that I prepared. The first one is from a listener um, who asks, at the age of 90, what do you enjoy specifically besides your walk with God? So what are you doing in your free time that's uh, maybe not necessarily like really intentionally focused on your walk with God? I swim oh. because I need exercise. Yeah, and uh, I don't like to walk. It hurts to walk. Okay, but swimming feels good. Okay, and I enjoy, and I have a little dog, and I know she would love to walk, but I take her in the golf cart with me. You wait. You take her swimming in the golf cart? No, I take her oh, on okay. my walk. On a, <laughs> okay. I'm sorry. I can see. I have to be more. Precise. No, no. <laughs> yeah, she likes to ride in the golf cart. Okay. Is that something you're doing like year round in like a heated pool type place or? Yeah, where I live in Fountain of the Sun, we do have a lovely pool and it is heated so I can swim now. Oh, nice. It's good. Yeah. Nice. Um, so let's go back and, uh, and talk about how you arrived at faith in Jesus. What, at what point in your life did that come and how did you uh, find yourself there? Well, it's an interesting story. Uh, back in New Jersey, uh, we, my husband went out and bought an acre lot because the neighborhood we were living in was kind of going downhill, and uh, we had children, and he wanted to get us out of that neighborhood. So he bought an acre in an upscale community called Franklin Lakes in New Jersey. And how old were you at this time? Oh, gosh. Um, maybe 45. Okay. Okay. We had four children. Um, my husband was a carpenter. We never had enough money. We never had a paycheck every Friday. Hmm. And so um, we were getting ready to move in, and uh, a flyer came in the mailbox from a, a local evening school, uh, and they were offering a, a a class in psychology and numerology, astrology, and I said, oh good, I'll take that class, I'll learn how to do charts, and I'll tell my husband how he can make a lot of money. All right. Yeah, that was a good idea. Yeah, and sure. <laughs> I met an, a gal who was from a neighboring town, but she was also interested in that, and we developed a fast friendship. And uh, after living in this new house, uh, my husband saw another lot up the hill in a new area, and uh, he bought a lot there, and we sold our house and moved up there. And after surgery in August of uh, 1976, I was recuperating on the front porch, and uh, I had this witchcraft magazine, which was all included in these classes I was taking. And... Uh, 
this, there was an ad in this magazine that offered uh, a book that would tell you how to achieve all the riches you need in this life. Hmm. So uh, I sent for the book, and it was a sunny day in August. I was sitting on this beautiful front porch that my husband had built and moved us into, and uh, the book said, uh, to achieve all the riches you need in this life, all you need is God. Hmm. I said he was there all the time, and I'm searching all this other stuff, Ouija boards and astrology charts. And what was this you read this in? A book. Was it a book on witchcraft? That's what I was on. No, oh, okay. it was a book on infinite riches. Okay, huh. And it was like God looked down on me and put this line in this book and said, you don't belong there, get out of there. Hmm. And I did. And I burned all those books that I had and all the leaflets on witchcraft and all that junk yeah. that is nothing. And I started to read scripture and other books. And God brought me along closer and closer to him. And I just got deeper and deeper into the Bible and Mostly radio programs, Christian radio. Okay. You know, I just learned more. Yeah. And, you know, I still have that book, and I can't find that line in it any place. Huh. God did it. Hmm. I know he, he really picked me out of that place. Wow. And brought me to where he wanted me to start growing. And then we moved to Arizona, and uh, I got a job at Motorola, and met some wonderful people who were having prayer meetings on lunch hours okay. once a week. And uh, that really helped me to understand. And I'll never forget this gal. Her name was Nancy Napolitano. She introduced me to the People's Church in Scottsdale. And I loved the music there. Mm. And uh, it was there that uh, I signed up to get baptized. Okay. And... Uh, that's and you know I'm doing this all on my own because my my husband's Catholic. Okay. The kids are Catholic. Mm -hmm. Practicing or more nominal, more like just in name only. No, well, my husband was going to church and taking the kids, and we were all going to okay. church, you know, because we went as a family. I see. Okay. And uh, but I, the day that I was baptized, I got dressed, and everybody was so happy. They were baptized, and their family was there. I remember I was so depressed, mm. and I'm not a depressed person. I never get depressed, but that day, and I know it was Satan. Now I know mm. Satan was beating me up because I've come a long way, mm. you know. So I didn't mean to go on and on about that, but that's how I came to know the Lord wow. and know him better because of these uh, prayer meetings in uh, Motorola, gal named Nancy Napolitano, who brought me to that church. and uh, Wow. So was it like, when you had that moment in the book that was pointing you to God, was it um, in that moment that you specifically um, felt pointed to Jesus? Um, okay, so then when did that moment come, and was that, yeah, when did that moment come? I guess that was uh, in going to the people's church and also those prayer meetings at Motorola okay. when the, the emphasis was on Jesus. And, and I can remember as a little kid 
my mother waking me and my brother up on a, an Easter morning saying, this is the day that Jesus rolled the stone away. Mm. And my mother was Catholic, too. Okay. You know, she was raised. She, my mom came over from Ireland as a little girl, eight years old, on a ship all by herself. Wow. But uh, she was raised Catholic, and she was met by cousins in New York and worked for them. You know, I mean, those days were pretty tough on those people coming over from Ireland. Mm. You know, anyway. That's another story. <laughs> <laughs> so the People's Church, was that your first like local uh, church body that you were uh, starting to attend regularly? Exactly. Okay. And I loved the music. And uh, there was the pastor's wife had this deep-throated voice, hmm. and she'd sing, uh, Jesus, 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 there is no name like Jesus. And oh, it really touched me, oh, you yeah. know? Yeah, yeah. Now... How did you? So you were at the People's Church, um, in Scottsdale. In Scottsdale, okay. So then, uh, how did you start there, and then find yourself eventually at Red Mountain Community Church? Okay, that was Scott, and my husband built us the house in Scottsdale. Okay, and uh, we moved from there. We, uh, the kids were growing, getting out of school now, and we bought a little house in. Uh, Paradise Valley, which was oh, wasn't a good experience. The people next door had five boys that were totally untrained, okay. <laughs> and uh, we started to look, and uh, we moved over to Fountain of the Sun in Mesa, and uh, then it was evident that my husband wasn't going to church much anymore, and because he wouldn't go on Sunday. I was going to St. Daniel's on uh, Granite Reef. Was it Granite Reef? No, Hayden Road, right across the street from Motorola. Okay. So I'd go to Mass before going to work in the morning, and I was up there on the altar reading Scripture, and I, could, I was searching. I, this is, I wanted more and more, you know? Yeah. And uh, one day I said to my husband, you know, if you're not going to go to church anymore, I'm going to find a church I like because I'm not Catholic. And I'm going to go. Hmm. And he came home one day. He was always in his truck riding around. He came home one day and said, they just built a new church up on Wrecker Road. Why don't you give it a try? Huh. And I think my husband came to church with me two or three times here. Okay. But he didn't get into it. Okay. He, he wasn't saved. You know, it was not a, a good time for me because he wouldn't pray with me. Hmm. It wasn't, he wouldn't do the things that I was looking to do with a husband who would be saved, you know. Yeah. But, uh, but I'll jump ahead. Just before he passed away, mm -hmm. I'd come home from work and find him watching Channel 21. Oh. And there was a minister in Texas, uh, Pastor Ron Parsons. And one day my husband said, he's my man. Hmm. So God was working on him, too. Yeah. And I think God does that when he knows he's going to bring somebody home. He mm. makes sure that they're going to get into heaven. Mm. Mm. <laughs> That's my opinion. <laughs> <laughs> so now, um, I mean, you've been attending Red Mountain for as long as I can remember. Um, Since about 97. Okay, yeah. And we started coming to Red Mountain in like maybe 93 or 94. Uh -huh. So, yeah. Um, and you, over the years, have been very involved, continue to be very involved in various ministries at Red Mountain Community Church. You were a greeter for many years. 
Um, you're part of the weekly prayer care team. Right. Uh, you're regularly attending the heritage class. You're involved in the TLC ministry um, and the, the prayer shawl ministry. Oh, yeah. Now, yeah. I, 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 I don't even know what a prayer shawl is. What is that? It's the women from heritage. We get together and uh, we crochet or knit prayer shawls. Okay. And this ministry was brought to us by um, Pastor Dave Amy. Okay. And uh, he worked with Kathleen Cochran, and she would buy all the, the wool, and uh, we gals would get together. We learned to crochet or to knit, and we'd make these shawls, and then Kathleen would bring them to Dave, and he would bring them to the hospitals or to shut-ins. He and Della would work together on that. And, uh, well, I'm horribly uncultured. I don't even know what a shawl is. It's a, a wrap. It's, it's a like wrap? a scarf. It's a scarf. A large scarf. Okay. And, and what, makes, what makes these specifically like prayer shawls? Because we pray over them as we put them together. I see. Okay. And that's part of the process. And then you give them as gifts too. That's right. I see. And oh, the cool. people who receive them are so grateful. I'll bet. And so, uh, you know, it's a heartfelt ministry. Yeah. And it, it reaches like them. It. it really does. And it sounds like Pater needs one, Jenny. <laughs> Maybe not yet. <laughs> yeah. Maybe not yet. <laughs> you guys, now I've heard there's a nickname for this this prayer shawl ministry. Oh, yeah. Do you do you know what it is? No. Oh, the Naughty Knitters. Oh, that's right. Yeah, the Naughty Knitters. K N O T T Y. <laughs> Who came up with that? Kathleen. Oh, nice. And we all have T-shirts, and it says the Naughty Knitters of RMCC. Oh, that's awesome. <laughs> awesome. So, Jenny. I can't even count how many ministries you're involved in. Oh, that is that is amazing. Yeah. Sounds like we need to get you like seven or eight more to be yeah. involved in. <laughs> I, I never thought to count them, and uh, you know, I just get invited sometimes, or something strikes me that I want to get involved in, and uh, well, and I do. I want to zero in on that that idea of something striking you. What? What motivates you to be so involved in so many different ministries? Jesus. I, I love Jesus. And I owe him so much mm. for saving me mm. because I was the biggest sinner mm. you ever knew. Mm. And uh, don't like myself very much when I look back. But I know that I'm forgiven. And, uh, you know, to be forgiven of some of the things that I have done in the past, uh, what a... God is love, and he has shown that to me in my life. Uh, and I, you know, way back uh, in the beginning, when I really started to know Jesus, I would find these uh, programs, reading the Bible through in a year, and I would sit late at night when my husband was gone to bed, I would read the Bible. And, uh, God, you know, it's, one of the very first things that struck me was John fifteen sixteen, where Jesus said, you did not choose me, I chose you. Mm. And, you know, wow, he chose me. Out of all those wonderful people out there, he chose me. Mm. And I listened. And uh, I don't know. so there. Yeah. <laughs> and there are a bunch of scriptures that have jumped out at me. There's... Um, Isaiah 49, I think 16, where God said, uh, though a, a mother 
forget the baby at her breast. I will never leave you nor forsake you. Hmm. See, I have carved you in the palms of my hands. That's kind of awesome, isn't it? Yeah. And uh, then this poor woman cried, and God heard her cries, her tears, and saved her out of all her troubles. You know, those are personal things that when you read the Bible, he says directly to you. Mm. And uh, But if I can regress, you know, uh, growing up and uh, through all, I was not always a follower of Jesus. But my mother tells me that when I was five years old, we were living in Teaneck, New Jersey, and I was riding my bike up the street, and I went to make a U-turn, and I fell down. And all the ladies came running out to help me, and I said, hmm. nothing hurts me. I'm God's child. Hmm. Interesting. At five years old, yeah. I knew something that I didn't find out again for a long time. Hmm. You know? but I, I hear, and kind of like you talking about your past, you know, just some of the, just some of the regret, you know, in your voice. And uh, there's um, someone wrote in asking, um, have you ever beat yourself up for not being obedient to God? And how did you deal with that? I still, even though I know I'm forgiven and God probably doesn't even, well, they say he doesn't remember from the East, but uh, I still beat myself up for some of the things that I've done. No, I should not have done, but I did. And uh, I think, though, I tell myself that I'm right where God wants me. I married the man he wanted me to marry. Uh, I had four children. God chose to take two of them back. And just in the past couple of months, in one of Kyle's Sunday sermons, he said, uh, what if he takes something away? And I wrote down on my prayer sheet, he did. Hmm. <laughs> but he's God, you know, and uh, they're his children. He took my firstborn, my precious Debbie, and my only boy. Hmm. And uh, it's his right. Hmm. And, you know, I've talked to him about it. But I know that God has a plan for every one of us and all of my children. And uh, he's God, like I said. Everybody who knows me, especially people I've worked with like Della and Tony Cortese and Paul Forsyth, they say in their head, they hear Ginny's voice saying, God's in charge. Mm. <laughs> and I know he is, mm. and uh, he has a plan, and it's always a good plan. Um, I want to... Since you brought it up, I want to actually jump ahead in, in kind of my notes a little bit here and um, talk about your loss a bit. You've kind of hinted at it a couple of times here. Um, uh, you're, you've lost uh, a husband and two children, and more recently your boyfriend after you led him to faith in Jesus. Um, l let me get a little bit of context first before we get into this. Um, so your husband, that you would have lost him after you had become a believer. Um, your two children, were they also lost after you came to faith? Well, my Debbie, Debbie died November 12th, 1995. Okay. And uh, I, we had, when we came to Arizona, we started going to St. Maria Goretti in Scottsdale. And they were doing a Life in the Spirit seminar there. And Debbie wanted to go with me. And I was tickled, you know, and she accepted the Lord at that time. And that's why I say 
you know, we don't know what God has in mind, but when God is going to take somebody home, he arranges for them to come to him mm. so that they get to heaven. And uh, so Debbie is in heaven. I'm well aware of that. She, what happened to Debbie, she got the flu. Her doctor was away. And on Thursday afternoon, she called 911, and uh, the ambulance came for her. And uh, the flu had gone to her kidney and into her liver. And Friday, that was Thursday afternoon, Friday morning, uh, I had been asking if we could go to Tucson to get a new kidney or, you know. Uh, when Debbie was 10, she had glomerulonephritis. She was in the hospital for a month. And uh, I guess that was a weakness, a weak spot that we never really knew about. Hmm. But when she got the flu that hadn't been tended to or treated right away, it, this germ went to the kidney and then into her liver. And Friday morning, I asked if we could go to Tucson, and they said it would damage her. It would be too hard on her. Oh. But they said, but she's responding to treatment, and she'll probably go home on Sunday. And 9.30 Sunday morning, she she went home to heaven. Mm. And I had my, my head was on the pillow next to her when I saw that line go flat. Mm. What can you say, you know? Yeah. It, it, God's in charge, and that's it. And then my husband died. Uh, we were at the cabin, and it was a day, and Al built us this cabin up in Forest Lakes. And... Uh, we stopped at the casino in Payson, had breakfast. He got a doggy bag for a KCR dog, and he had been saving quarters. So we did gamble two rolls of quarters. Then we got in the truck. He fed the dog her breakfast, and I was driving, and we were singing, going up. And I can remember I just called to say, I love you. Mm. That was over and over yeah. we saying that. And we got to the cabin, and... Uh, I can see him coming in the front door, and he sat on a chair, and he said, all of a sudden, I feel so crappy. Mm. And I said, well, you know you're not supposed to do a lot when you first get here because of the altitude. It was 7,800 feet up. He had gone to the doctor the day before for his checkup, and uh, I said, why don't you rest for a while? He said, okay, I'm going to take a nap. And he did go into the bedroom and took a nap, and about an hour later, he came out, and he said, don't make me any lunch. I'm not hungry. And I said, okay. And I said, uh, you look flushed. Come here. And I kissed his forehead, and I said, you feel a little warm. He said, no, I don't have a fever. I I had the blanket, the electric blanket on. Hmm. Well, when you get to the cabin up there, it was cold. You know, okay. it was July 3rd. Uh, so we went and we sat on the back porch, and I asked him if I could do anything. And I said, does anything hurt? And he said, just here. I said, yeah, but you told the doctor that yesterday. And he said it was nothing. Everything was clear. So he said, I'm going to go ahead and read the papers. I said, okay, you read the papers. I'll water the garden. And when I get done, I'll make us some chicken noodle soup. So I got done. I went up on the back porch, and I looked in the screen door. And he wasn't in his chair, but the newspapers were all on the floor. Mm. So I went in, and I looked down the hall. And it was like he sat on the edge of the bed and went back and said, oh, I wish I could feel better. Hmm. And uh, I went back, and I went to pull the door shut, and I said, gee, my mother died like that. She sat on the edge of the, edge of the bed. And I went, and he had lost his voice box a couple of years before. 
I felt the stoma, nothing. So I said, I'm calling the ambulance, and I did, and they were there right away. Mm. And they worked on him, but they didn't bring him back. Mm. He died that afternoon. Mm. So that was that, and that was July 3rd, 01. Okay. And, uh, but like I said before that, he had told me that that was his man. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know, he had been watching these programs on Channel 21, so I think I, I'm content that God brought him home. Mm. So. And then my son, he uh, he was all state catcher at Chaparral High School, and uh, but those kids were all chewing that smokeless tobacco. Okay. And he had a lump, and the doctor said it's just a swollen gland, mm. but it wasn't. Oh. And that last summer in 2011, he was in hospice, and he lived at the cabin because he was working for the fire department up there. And those hospice nurses were great. They came every every week, a couple of times a week, to change, change the pick line. And uh, he lived through the summer, and he came down in October to my house. And as time was going on, I was thinking, oh, Debbie died November 12th. He's going to die November 12th because he had cancer. Mm -hmm. you know, I knew he was going to go. Well, you, when you figure it out, you know, God changes things. Hmm. And he died November 13th. Hmm. Hmm. <laughs> so, but, like I said, God's in charge. And uh, Two terrible losses. You know, uh, my husband, his age, you know, you expect us old people, we're going to die, and it's okay. But when my daughter was 37 and Alan was 47, that hurts, hmm. you know. And... Uh, I talked to God, and I said, you know, you took my firstborn and my only boy. I don't get mad at him. I really, really don't get mad at him. But uh, it hurts, you know. But he's God, and I'm not. Mm. And Ginny, uh, how do you feel like God has met you in that? He's always got his arm around me. I, I really feel that he's got his arm around me. Yeah, I, if I can regress... When uh, Debbie was alive, she lived over in uh, Tempe, and she and Brad, her son, were going to uh, Dobson Ranch Church of the Nazarene, and I would meet them there every Sunday. And so when Debbie passed away that Sunday morning, uh, that church was very, very good to me, and that church Monday afternoon was chock full, standing room only, Everybody came to honor Debbie and her husband and me and Brad. And uh, I stayed there for another year because they were so good and we had such a beautiful service. Mm. And uh, then is when I said to Al that I was going to start looking for a church that I liked. And so I left Dobson Ranch Church of the Nazarene. And my husband said, oh, you got to try that church just on Ricker Road. <laughs> and here we are. Hmm. So, uh, but it's been, I've learned so much from Pastor Bob Fox and Paul Forsyth. And, uh, you know, uh, Marcia Nave worked with Paul. And yeah. we prayed together a lot. Hmm. And I did learn a lot, a lot of scripture, a lot of lessons and we talked a lot 
So there was, it was always a learning process because I was so new. You know, it wasn't as if I was raised in a Christian family and we, the whole family went to church. Sure. That didn't happen. Yeah. Uh, I want to come back to, to, to Jake's question a little bit. Um, he asked, you know, how did God meet you in, in those times of loss? And you mentioned uh, him having his arm around you. Um, what, what did that look like? Was that a feeling you couldn't explain? Was it people that entered into your life? Was it scripture at the right time? Was it all those things? Or wh- what comes to mind specifically when you talk about God having his arm around you? Well, a good bit of the feeling is the people uh, here at Red Mountain Community Church. Mm. Uh, But it's knowing because you know that God is there, and I can almost feel him smiling right there saying, it'll be all right, Mm. because God's in charge. It's just, I don't know how else to explain it. It's just... When you trust him and you have that faith, and I think even as a child, I always had faith. Mm. I don't know how or why, but I knew that there was a God who was in charge of things and was good, and God was loved. Because my brother and I did go to Sunday school, and we went to church. It was uh, Trinity Reformed Church. Never once heard about a personal relationship with Jesus. Mm. Uh, and sitting in church, my mind was a thousand miles away. I never got anything. I did make my first Holy Communion and my confirmation and memorized the 23rd Psalm and can still recite it for you. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, but uh, I did not have a personal relationship with Christ mm-hmm. or know him or know God. Although I... You know, I I can't explain it, but I, I felt that he was there all the time. You know? I've heard you say a number of times, and, and apparently you're known for saying this, that God is in charge. Um, is that, you know, in the context of the loss that you experienced, was that where you were right away with the loss, or is that a place that you arrived at later on? Talk a little bit about that, that feeling of the, the, that confidence that God is in charge and where that landed in your life in relationship to when you experienced these losses. I think, uh, I think God was drawing me along to that prior to Debbie's passing. Mm. I just think that uh, from the time that I sat on that front porch back in Franklin Lakes, New Jersey, and he said, you don't belong there. I knew that he had me, and I could have him if I wanted him. Yeah. It was, uh, I don't know how else to explain it, Peter. It's just that he's in my heart. Mm. He guides me when I let him, mm-hmm. and uh, I plead with him often to guide me and to stay close and to bring my children to him. Mm. That's more than anything in this life. I want my children, my grandchildren, my great-grandchildren to know the Lord and to walk with Him. Which that's an interesting thing, Jenny, because one of the other phrases that I hear you saying is a personal relationship with Jesus. And so it seems like as that has grown more intimate over the years, then that actually brings you to a place where you can say God's in charge and where you can actually trust that because you know who Jesus is. Absolutely. Because it's true. It's fact. 
And I tell my children, I have a grandson, Debbie's boy. He was 13 when she passed. Now, Brad, he's very close to my heart. And uh, he's had tough, tough times because his biological father left when he was thir three or four years old. And they were living in uh, Virginia Beach at the time. Debbie divorced Dana there. Um, she came to Arizona. Al went and got her and Brad in a truck and brought them here. And she got a job at Motorola, married uh, an engineer there. And then uh, right after Debbie died, he brought in this girl who had three little kids. And Brad kind of got shoved out of the picture. It was a tough time for him. Mm. And then he died. Steve mm. died. And then we got word, I got the phone call from the Phoenix Police Department that uh, Dana had been found dead in a motel. Oh, boy. And uh, I called Brad to, because Brad had gone off track. He was in gangs, and he had lost several friends to gunshot or mm. knife wounds and was not in a good place. And couldn't, we couldn't reach him. He was just unreachable because his friends were more important. Uh, but then we got worried. I got the call, like I said, from the police department that uh, Dana had been found in this motel room and uh, my name was in his wallet and my phone number. So they called me and I called da Brad and I said, I have something to tell you. And uh, he said, what is it? And I said, well, you better sit down. And he said, I don't have to sit down for anything you have to tell me. He was tough, you know. Yeah. And I told him that Dana had been found dead. He said, what do I care? He's just another drunken bum, mm. vagrant found in a hotel room. So uh, then after that, Steve died. And Brad uh, had met this young lady. It'll be two years ago. They came to church Christmas Eve. And I have a picture of them in the lobby of the church. And uh, she developed uh, kidney disease. Mm. Same thing that killed Debbie. Boy. And there was no hope for her. Mm. And she just passed away May 8th. Mm. So, you know, Brad's had a tough time. But uh, I've kind of, we've gotten closer. And uh, I recently bought him a mobile, a trailer, mobile home in Monte Vista. Uh, okay. where some of our friends in Heritage lived there. Oh, okay. And Ginger was interested in looking at them. But the uh, monthly fee for the land was $600. And Jareth Lavenda said, oh, that little place, it's just a one-bedroom, but it, it's only $10,000. And I said to Ginger, Brad, you know. And she said, well, how's he going to afford $600? I said, but he can't get an apartment for $600. Mm. So I brought Brad down, he liked it, and I asked DJ uh, Jackson, Johnson if uh, the owner would consider a, an offer, and she said, well, we'll call him. He was in Canada. So I said, well, ask him if he'll take 7500 So she called, and he said, well, I'll talk to my wife, and we'll call you back. He called back and said, yes, we'll take mm. it. So Brad's got a home. Oh, that's <laughs> awesome. So fantastic. Yeah. Yeah. And he is so happy. He's... Uh, and uh, he's grateful, and he's come to church a few times, and I just, well, I, th I think I lost that battle because he just got a, ba a job at Costco, which is wonderful, but they make him work on Sundays, oh, okay. <laughs> so that's tough, you know. Hmm. But um, 
he's happy, he's grateful, he never stops saying how he loves me. Mm. And uh, That's great. Yeah, it really is. And, and he's got a good heart, you know. Mm. Thanksgiving, he was so grateful that we were all family together, and mm. he was there too. But he drinks too much. <laughs> Everybody pray that Brad stops drinking. <laughs> <laughs> so you've had, just getting a little taste here of kind of like what you've experienced in life. Um, we've got a question here from someone who says, Ginny, you're awesome and I love you. My question is, was there ever a time when you questioned your faith in Jesus and wondered if he was really who he says he is? No, I never questioned him, and I never got mad at God. Hmm. That's amazing to me. I have to tell you, That's, and I, I've I've lived a uh, a very cushy, easy life. But when I think about the idea of something terrible happening, I feel like I could be one really tragic day away from just bitterness and hatred toward God. So that's amazing to me. I remember when our collie died, <laughs> and. Uh, my son went in the garage, the garage and shook his fist at God <laughs> for taking the dog. Mm. So, you know, I understand that, but God's in charge. You mm. don't get mad at the God who's in charge, who mm. created all of this and me and pulled me out of things, yeah. <laughs> you know? I mean, what a good God. And I learned as a young kid in Sunday school that God is love, and I believe that. I've always believed that. I want to circle back to your involvement in uh, the prayer ministry, um, which, which I understand you've been involved for quite a while. Since Paul Forsyth. Okay, yeah. So, yeah. Uh, so, given that, it seems obvious that prayer is very important to you. Why is prayer important to you personally, would you say? Because... God's in charge. Yeah. <laughs> well, you know, where do you go when you have a hurt or a need or your kids are doing things you wish they wouldn't do? Mm. Or uh, when my husband was an alcoholic and uh, I had many a brokenhearted day. Uh, but I have to tell you, when my husband died, he had 35 years sobriety. Mm. And that was only because of a God who loved us mm. and loved him. And my husband said many times, if it weren't for me, he probably would be dead down mm. on the Bowery or something mm. because he knows that I prayed for him. Mm. And But his family, his father, his uncles, they were all alcoholics. Boy. And it was dismal, wow. you know? And uh, I sat in church, Catholic church, many a day, crying, begging God to make him stop drinking. And... Uh, then my son drank too much, and uh, so what is what do you do with that when you um, when you're praying for something and and you're wanting a particular answer and you're not getting that answer or maybe you're getting a response that feels like God is saying no right now. How do you what do you do with that? How do you deal with that? I think, and the bulb went on in my head on Sunday when Kyle said he's on his way. Mm. And uh, he was always on his way. He always heard my prayers. He almost always saw my tears. Psalm 34, 6, this poor woman cried and God heard her cries and saved her out of all her troubles. And he did. 
you know, I mean, I, I'm okay. God is right there with me all the time. My youngest daughter drinks too much wine. Same thing. He, we, you know, it's in the genes in the family, I guess. Mm. Uh, anybody out there, I, I would say just if you if you got family who drinks too much, it's a curse. Mm. It really is. But keep praying because God knows and God sees, and He hears. And uh, in His time, I have faith that He will bring it, turn it around, and it'll be okay. So what is your what does your prayer life look like? I know that's kind of an open-ended question that could be about the the content of things that you pray about. It could be about when you pray or how often or how long or whatever. So whatever however you want to answer that question, what does your prayer life look like? My prayer is praise you Jesus. Thank you Jesus. Hmm. Constantly all day long I say praise you Jesus. And uh, and I know that he does hear and uh I th- every time, you know, in heritage or in church, when Kyle says, amen, I say, thank you, Jesus. Mm. I, that just goes with amen, mm. because that's who he is. Mm. That's who he is to me. And uh, I mean, I am so loved by God. Uh, I mean... Look, you all think I'm okay. <laughs> and it's because of Jesus. I'm 90 years old only because of God. For some reason, he's got me here. Maybe it's to keep on praying for these kids of mine. Mm. And, uh, you know, I do pray a lot. And I do I praise him a lot. And I thank him a lot. And I worship him a lot. Because that's who he is. Mm. Are you? Are there things that you are that you find yourself recurringly asking God for? I hear that worship and praise and thanks are a part of it. Which, honestly, I got to say, I'm really good at neglecting. I'm really good at neglecting thanks. I'm really good at neglecting praise in my prayer. Don't do that, Peter. I know. I know, Jimmy. Look look at your beautiful family. I know. And they're well, and they're safe, and your wife is lovely. Yeah. And you. You worship together, your whole family, the kids come to church, praise him, thank him for that. Everybody out there, you know, if you do nothing all day long, just praise Jesus. Look what he did for us. He hung on that cross. That hurt. Hmm. And he did that for us. He he saved us. Where would we be without him? Hmm. Where would we be? And... What do I pray for? Yeah, I pray that my kids would not drink. I've got uh, a two-year... My great-grandson is going to be two. Uh, The the girls are going to be five and six. And my grandchildren, four grandchildren. I have another... Brad has a little grandson who used to come to church here, but his grandmother took him because his mother is an addict. So his mother, the grandmother took him to Colorado, and Brad's okay. not allowed to see him or talk to him, and I'm not either. Okay. And, if, you know, we need that little kid. Mm. <laughs> his name is Wyatt. Mm. And, uh, but I, I just pray that every one of them would walk with Jesus and know who he is and serve him, because I think it's so important. I've learned so much since I've served him. And maybe that's why I say, yes, I'll do it. <laughs> you know, when somebody says, oh, here's a new ministry we're going to start. Hmm. 
yeah, I'll do it. Someone um, knew some kind of story. I, this rings a bell. They said that you injured yourself. Let me read their question here. Um, and I'm just going to modify the second half of it just a little bit. Uh, but they write, break a leg is a sentiment given to an actor or actress wishing them huge success in their performance. You literally hurt yourself by falling off stage a few years ago. And I'll, let me come back to the rest of that question. First, what kind of injury was that? I fractured my pelvis. Good grief. How long ago was this? It was September 29th, probably 2015. Okay, wow. But I didn't fall off the stage. We were rehearsing for a variety show in Fountain of the Sun. Okay. And I did my famous step, and my foot got caught in the rug, and I tried to catch myself, but as I tried to catch myself, I gathered momentum, went down, and I heard, and I thought it was my hip, and my friends all wanted to pick me up. I said, no, no, just leave me here. <sighs> and uh, the ambulance came, and we were down about six steps in a room, and I said, don't drop me going up the stairs because, you know, I knew I was going to the hospital. Oh, my gosh. But it, it was okay. And that night, uh, well, the doctor came. I went to uh, Gateway because my orthopedic surgeon was right there on the grounds. And he said, you were lucky it wasn't your hip. It was your pelvis. And you can't operate on the pelvis, so you just have to lie still and heal. Oh, boy. Which I did. And that night, uh, Tony Cortese and Della came to the hospital to see me. Mm. And we prayed. How great, wow. <laughs> you know, to a God who listens. Wow. Yeah. So what, what comes to mind as you think about and reflect on that injury and, and the recovery process? The only thing I can think is that God must have wanted me to lay down for a little while. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my gosh. You know, but... Uh, like I said, I was at uh, Gateway and got wonderful care there. They were really wonderful. And then I went to rehab, a little place on Main Street. I can't even remember the name of it. But uh, I healed. God healed me and got me back on my feet. I don't do that step anymore. <laughs> <laughs> Isn't that funny how God sometimes uses drastic measures to say, yeah, slow down? Cut that out. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Well, what was, this is the last question, and it's also from a listener. Um, what was the most memorable spiritual moment in your life? And if that seems too intense, then we can soften that too. What is a memorable spiritual moment in your life? I'm going to have to think about this for a minute. Yeah, that's why. That's, you like, too much, talk. that's a lot of pressure. I was like, oh my gosh, the most. So we can soften that. What was a memorable spiritual moment in your life? It doesn't have to be it could be, we could say, over the last five years, last three months, whatever comes to mind. You know, uh, Al died, like I said, in 01. And, who, and for those listening, Al was? My husband. Yeah. We were married 44 years, seven months, and one day. Mm. <laughs> and uh, I had no intention of ever dating or anything. You know, I, I mean, come on. <laughs> Uh, we, I was married when I was 28, so 44 years later, I was in my 70s, and um, Marcia Nave's son was getting married, and I was invited to the wedding, and I wanted to go, but I didn't want to go alone, and I have a neighbor who I had lived next door to for many, many years, and he liked to dance, 
So we were having uh, tea dances in Fountain of the Sun on Friday afternoons. What's a tea dance? It's an afternoon dance. Okay. Couples. Okay. And I said, hey, Jim, are you going to that dance Friday afternoon? He said, yeah, you want to go? I said, yeah, maybe me and Gene Murphy will go with you. He said, okay, I'll tell my buddy that you, we're going to pick each, the two of you up. Well, I went to this dance with them, and his friend was Ed. His buddy was Ed Spoladuro. I had never seen the man before in my life. But we went to the dance. I never got to dance with Jim. But the point was I wanted to see if I could dance with Jim so I could invite him to Marsha Nave's son's wedding. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so, I was skinny. That's right, yeah. It's a female trait. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, I danced with Jim maybe once, and then Ed asked me to dance, and I never got to dance with anybody else again. And uh, then the three of us started to be a group, and uh, we'd go to dances every Friday night, Saturday night. Okay. And uh, one Saturday night, Ed asked me uh, if I would ever marry again, and I said, no, you know. And, uh, well, how about cohabitating? I said, no, come on. <laughs> he said, why do you say it like that? I said, because that's against God's rules. You're not allowed to do that. He said, would you tell me more about that? So I said, okay, go to church with me tomorrow morning, hmm. which he did. He went to Heritage every week. Everybody in Heritage loved him because he asked all the questions that other people wanted to answers to, but they would never ask. Hmm. And uh, then it was in July, we were at the cabin, and there was a pastor from the valley, and he offered the sinner's prayer. And... Uh, when we got back to the cabin, I asked, Ed, did you say the prayer? And he said, isn't that private? And he said, well, yes, I did. <laughs> so I knew that he had accepted Christ. Wow. And then in '09 he passed away, and I know he's in heaven mm. because he listened. Wow. You know, so that was kind of a neat thing. Wow. And, and that was a great spiritual experience, to be able to lead somebody else to the Lord. Yeah, wow. You know? Through dance. Through Dancing dance. evangelism. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but I didn't do that step. <laughs> yeah, 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 that's right. But, uh, yeah, other spiritual moments when my son, uh, in the times that he was so ill and living at the cabin, and uh, he would say, I know Jesus, Mom. I'm okay. Hmm. And that meant a lot to me, you know. So. Yeah. Well, this is this has been really cool. I I mean, I've I've known you for years, but I mean, I feel like now having had this conversation with you that I just know you more deeply and I so appreciate your willingness to come and not only share that with me, but just kind of like put yourself out there and share all this with, you know, uh, everybody who's listening. So, thank you so much for coming and and being willing to do this. And Peter, I remember doing our acts little theater type stuff here at the church. Yeah. And I remember one time I forgot a line, and you said, don't worry about it. <laughs> yeah. But it's all been good. It's, and all my brothers and sisters at Red Mountain Community Church, really a family. Hmm. And this is a family, truly. And uh, you've brought me a long way. <laughs> well, thank you again for doing this with us. I've, yeah, thanks, Jenny. I hope I haven't said too much. No! But uh, it's all true. And 
it's out there. This is what God apparently wanted me to say. So mm -hmm. I would just, uh, all you young people, listen to the Lord, talk to the Lord, read the Bible, and don't let anybody talk you into anything that you know is not what God wants you to do. So important. Mm -hmm. Because uh, if you get led astray, you're going to regret, regret it. Mm. Because things don't leave, you know, they hang on to you for the rest of your life. Ask somebody who knows. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> it's the truth. But God is love, and he's there for you. So that's all I have to say. <laughs> Thanks again. Thank you. Thanks for having me. I'm so glad we were able to have that conversation and that it, and that it was recorded, which is really cool to me, uh, for everybody else to appreciate both now and for years to come. Um, Jake, what stood out to you from the time that we spent talking to Jenny? Yeah, so there's a couple of things. Uh, the first thing is Jenny has an unwavering sense of trust in the goodness of God. Yeah. And, you know, as I think about my own life, and I'm like you, my life has been relatively easy. Mm -hmm. um, and to think about all of the loss uh, and hardship that Jenny's been through, and to for her to consistently come back to that phrase, God's in charge, um, and to actually view that as a good thing and something that she can take uh, joy in and trust in, it, that to me is just incredible to think about, um, given all that she's walked through as, as an individual. Um, yeah, I'm with you on that, because I mean, I just turned uh, 40 last April, and so I'm like, you know, processing those usual cliche midlife mm -hmm. things, you know, thinking about mortality and stuff like that. And, and, for, and for years prior to that, I'd been starting to get into the mentality of, you know, statistically speaking, even if we don't in experience all the loss that Ginny did, statistically speaking, as we get older, we are only going to be seeing more suffering, yep. more death. Um, more of mortality around us, and I want to be preparing for those years in whatever way I can spiritually, and uh, and just in general, like what you just hit on there, her unwavering trust in the goodness of God and how God uh, pursues us um, and and meets us where we're at, and the the different forms that that can take. This is the kind of conversation that that. I only anticipate I'm going to want to be coming back to more frequently as yeah. I get older, as I'm dealing with those kinds of things. Yes. Um, well, guys, we also want to hear from you uh, in various ways. And one of those ways is through our question and poll. Of the, I don't know if it's both a question and a poll. Each month we put up a new question and or poll uh, that you can respond to at rmcchurch.org slash podcast. Last month, we asked, which of Bob's Christmas light sculptures is your favorite? And for those who don't know, um, our former senior pastor, uh, Bob, who's still on staff, uh, has been a hobby of his for years to make these like metal framed original sculptures of, of uh, different scenes, animals, and there's like a cowboy and there's like a horse-drawn carriage and, you know, all these different things. And like he, this 
was his thing for years, his hobby that he would do all year round, would work on these things. And then we attach lights to them every year for this huge Christmas display that we do every year. And all of these sculptures, these are unique. These aren't the ones that you buy at Costco or Walmart or wherever the heck they're selling those deer that move their heads from left to right. I don't know if you've seen those. But, and uh, Peter's doing that with his head right now. That's right, yeah. <laughs> it's quite robotically, yeah. But um, So the question was, uh, which light sculpture of these is your favorite? Um, we got... Four of them um, with got one vote. That's the boys throwing snowballs, tractor, wise men, large Christmas tree with star. And then with two votes, elk. And then tied in first place with four votes each was a horse-drawn wagon with Christmas tree and nativity scene. Jake, do you have a favorite of these? Any of these that jump out to you? I think the wagon one is incredible. Yeah. If you look at all the detail of that, that's the one over by the volleyball courts, and it is insane. Yeah. When you think about all the detail that he had to put in and all the time. That's the one with the little boy in the back, uh-huh. right? Yeah. Yes, totally. And there's all these curves, and I have no idea how you bend metal like that. Yeah, I know. <laughs> but then again, it wouldn't surprise me if Bob has super strength and he just does it at will. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> we should get a cl- take a closer look at his arms on Sunday, yeah, everybody, right. and see, see what he's, <laughs> kind of guns he's got going yeah. on there. I like... The, well, I like the one of the boy throwing a snowball, but I, I liked it a little bit more when they didn't have like the, um, the, the animated, like now they have multiple snowballs. Back in the old school days, there was just the one snowball and they didn't have the animated thing. Yep. And so when I was walking by, I could imagine in my mind that I was like in the matrix and like it was this frozen scene taking place. And like in my mind, as I was walking past it down that sidewalk, I would just mentally make that sound. <laughs> Rip, you know, as I was walking past yep. it. And uh, so that's that's my favorite. Um, I'm sure you could talk to Bob to have him add that effect. That add sound, that sound effect. Yes, <laughs> the speaker's right nearby for yep. like the musical lights. Yep. We've got to have like the Matrix. Oh, man. Okay, <laughs> I'm making a phone call. Yeah. All right. Uh, and then we had a poll up. What's your favorite holiday drink? Um, and I don't know if there were two choices or if it was, it was probably two choices instead of like fill in the blank. 30% of you uh, selected eggnog. 70% of you selected hot cocoa. Which which do you prefer, Jake? Between those two? Yeah. Hot chocolate. Is there another like holiday, like a Christmas drink or something? Well, so there's a peppermint mocha. Mm. That's a Starbucks drink. Okay. My wife and I just had one the other night. Okay. But then I also, I'm going to throw a wrench in here. All right. Uh, I also like an iced chai tea latte Ooh. with some pumpkin flavoring in there. Oh, man. That sounds way too busy for me. It's not, Pater. Really? It's so good. Okay. I can't hang with the eggnog. Oh, uh, yeah. I, I just think of like eggs blended together and you're drinking it. Yeah, why? I'm sure it's more than that, but I don't know that. Oh, gosh. <laughs> I got to go with hot cocoa, but specifically I like to make mine uh, with the water base and like two scoops of the powder stuff, but it's got to be milk chocolate, not like the Dutch thing that's like the darker flavor. It's like kind of almost like bitter to me. It's got to be milk chocolate on that label, two scoops of that, and you put an Andy's mint in the bottom. <clears throat> Andy's mint in the bottom, and then you and it's got to be really hot water, and then you put a bunch of whipped cream on top, and Come then on now. drizzle it with some chocolate syrup. Oh man, I just had this last night. So you night. would choose water over milk as your base? Yes, because it's too. I, I think it's too much for me because there's fake milk built into the powder. So like fake milk and real milk at the same time. You know what I should try is Come just on. having real milk 
with heated up, and then you add the chocolate syrup. Uh -huh. But see, when I try to heat up chocolate, like milk, it like bubbles over and makes a big mess in my microwave. Yeah. So I don't know what I'm going to do about that. Anyway, that's about it for this episode of Living Stones. You can follow Red Mountain Community Church at MyRedMTN on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. And remember, you can go online to rmcchurch.org slash podcast to submit responses to our poll questions and leave questions for the guests featured on the show. On our next episode, we'll be talking with Chris Bibelheimer, who lives with cerebral palsy and other hardships. We're going to talk about the hope of the resurrection and how that impacts his day to day life. You can go online to rmcchurch.org slash podcast to submit your question for Chris, and you may just hear it read on the next episode. In the meantime, I'm Peter Franson. And I'm Jake Audjeri. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you on Sunday. right now this isn't I don't do this I was recording the intro oh, yeah. uh, I'm a huge moron Jenny was just thinking that yeah, yeah. <laughs> 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 <Big brain. laughs> all right I'm gonna do that later